Hello, children. My name is Chase. You probably haven't seen me before, because this is my first day working at the library, and I'm so excited to be here to read some stories to you. What do you mean I don't look like I want to be here? I do. I do want to be here. I want to be here. I want to be here. No, I know. There there weren't many help-wanted signs out, but that's fine. I, I chose to be here today. I chose to be here today because I wanted to read you stories. I wasn't crying earlier. No, I wasn't. Okay, okay, go go away. Go get your mom. Go away. Get out of here. Uh, anyway, uh, I am um, from a group of friends, and we live here in town. And uh, I'm I'm I I don't know how long I'll be here to read these stories for you, but I I hope that you. My phone just vibrated. It was a Discord message. I'm going to turn that off. I'm not going to give you my Discord, no. So stop asking. No, I, I'm not going to play Fortnite with you. Please stop asking. I'm going to... Jesus. Please, just let me read my stories to you. The, the stories. Okay? Please, thank you. <clears throat> so, let's, uh, let's get started. Let me grab this book here. And... Uh, um, okay, I think this is Portuguese. I think this book, I think this entire book is written in Portuguese. Let me, hang on. Okay, yeah, no, this is, it doesn't turn into English anytime. Um, <clears throat> okay, let me grab another one. Real quick, I, uh, here we go, uh, let's see, uh, here we go, <clears throat> uh, no, no, this one's also in Portuguese, okay, um, does anybody have a book that's not written in Portuguese? <sighs> I've never actually been to Brazil, I don't know the customs or the language, and I feel like I'd probably mispronounce most of the words, so... No? Um, oh, yeah, we are in the Portuguese section. Uh, well, I'm not allowed to go outside of a 10-foot radius or uh, away from this chair, so... Um, so, I guess I'm not going to be reading you stories today. I'm sorry. No, no, hey, no, 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 don't cry. Hey, 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 don't cry, don't cry. It's all right, hey. Look, um, <clears throat> I, uh, I don't have any books, but I could still tell you a story. I'm not reading you a story, but I'll tell you one. <gasps> okay, um, <clears throat> uh, one time... I was camping with my friends, and we were uh, riding bikes, and it was in this pit, this sort of pit in the woods, um, and then uh, somebody came and started filming us, and what do you mean this is boring? What do you, no, this is a cool story. Let me, no, you didn't let me finish. That's why it was boring. Oh my god. Okay, um, what do you want to hear a story about then? A young boy discovers an ancient swamp beast? What? What? Sure. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Great. Okay. <sighs> um, okay, so once upon a time, uh, it's kind of cliche to start a story like that, but you know, whatever. Uh, once upon a time, there was a kid named Trevor. And Trevor lived in Louisiana. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been to Louisiana, but it's very, it, it's very uh, uh, muggy there. Muggy, do you, are you too young to know what that word means? Muggy, it means like hot and wet uh, in the summers. <clears throat> and uh, so he would spend a lot of time down by the watering hole. Um, the watering hole was a river. It was a big, crystal clear uh, uh, lake. It was called uh, Lake Lake Chawanda, uh, and he he loved he loved Lake Chawanda so much. He would go there every single day that it was it was a little too hot to to bear because his house didn't have AC. This is back in the sixties when they didn't have they didn't invent air conditioning yet. So he would go down to Lake Chawanda. And uh, he would he would swim around and he would go fishing and he would he would bring his friends and they would they would splash water on each other's faces, and since they, it was the '60s, they didn't have cell phones, so they could just like go in with their jeans and it wouldn't even matter. Uh, so <clears throat> yeah, he loved Lake Chawanda. It was so fun, um, and uh, because of his love for Lake Chawanda, he would spend a lot of time uh, exploring the surrounding forest um and he found a lot of really interesting things he would he would go on trails and he would set his own markers uh he would he would take some shirts that were too small for him and he would he would cut them into ribbons uh and he would tie the ribbons to sticks and he would he would plant the sticks like flags along the paths that he would take um and he he was always so much fun he would make maps um and he would name different trails it was a lot of fun for trevor uh and he found stuff in the, in the forest too, he found um, he found old tin cans from uh, from years and years ago. Uh, he he found uh, uh, arrowheads. He found arrowheads in the forest. Uh, he found uh, a gun. No, he didn't find a gun. He never found a gun. Um, but he did find uh, skulls. Sometimes, which I, it sounds scary, but you know, skulls, you know, things die. It, it happens, whatever. The skulls are cool. You can't, you cannot deny that skulls are like really cool. Um, so, you know, uh, keep that in mind. Anyway, uh, but yeah, no, he, he, he really loved it. Uh, and he loved the woods and he loved Lake Chawanda. Um, <clears throat> and one day, one summer, Trevor realized that he, he, for all the time that he spent at Lake Chawanda, he it was just sort of a big lake, um, and uh, you know there was an inlet and outlet, and he he never he realized he never actually went up or down the river that led into Lake Lake Chawanda, um, <clears throat> and so uh, one day, because he had nothing else to do, he he went down he went down he he started going south. Southwest. I don't know. He followed the river out. It doesn't matter. You're kids. You don't know what south is. Um, and uh, so he he followed the the river down uh, down to where it let out. And he he walked and he walked and he walked and he brought up he brought flags. He brought the the flags and the trail markers that I told you about before. Um, and he was he was marking it. And um, he started at about uh, nine a.m. 
And by around noon, he he got his backpack and he and he um, he took out a sandwich and he had a sandwich, and he realized um, as he was sitting down and eating his sandwich that the the uh, the flow of the river, the River Chawanda, uh, started getting slower because as it let out uh, of the lake, out of Lake Chawanda, it was very very fast. It was rapid, <clears throat> but uh, the farther he went down, the slower and the slower it got. And as it got slower, he realized, it started getting dirtier, too. Where uh, at Lake Chawanda, on a good day, you could almost see the bottom. Um, and the same the same could be said about the, the surrounding river in the more clear parts. Because obviously, you know, if a river's going too fast, it's got the bubbles coming up and whatever. It's hard to see to the bottom. But, um, you know, uh, he, he, he could no longer see the bottom. It was getting murkier and, and, and kind of greenish. Um, and so he, he finished his sandwich, and he, he got back up, and he, he kept, uh, he kept t- putting the trail markers down, and, uh, he kept going for a couple more hours, and he was having a, he was having a lot of fun. Um, around 2 p.m., he started realizing, uh, it was kind of getting a little muggier again, uh, where the open air around Lake Chawanda was, uh, usually very, uh, cool and refreshing, and you could smell the uh, the forest and the the cool clean river or the the lake um, you, it was now getting muggier it was like he was it's like it was like he was back in his house um, and it was uncomfortable but he kept going because he was now committed to finding out where the where the river Chawanda went and so he kept going and he kept going um, until uh, just just as it was starting to get dark out he found a big clearing. We found a big clearing out in the forest, and this is probably miles away from Lake Chawanda at this point. Uh, and it wasn't just any clearing, because as he looked around, he saw trees. He saw trees, and he saw um, moss, and he saw frogs, like he usually did. But in this clearing, there was a vast uh, uh, expanse of murky green water. Murky. You couldn't see the bottom. You could hardly see a foot down. Uh, it was murky, and there was uh, uh, a bunch of stuff floating on top. It was gross, like plant stuff, and uh, and it was it was hot, and he could hear bugs, and it uh, it was a little smelly, uh, and it the water was almost still. And Trevor had never seen anything like this before. He'd heard about um, his dad when his dad went mudding with his friends. Uh, he heard about uh, getting stuck in, in still water, but he'd never seen it himself because Trevor was young. I'm not going to give you a number because I don't know. I, I, it's been a long time since I was a kid, and I don't remember like the what how smart kids are at certain ages. So let's just say he was young. Uh, he was. Probably younger than 14. But this is the 60s, so parents were just letting their kids do whatever the hell they wanted. <clears throat> anyway, so, Trevor saw this big still water area, and uh, and he realized, this is the first time I've ever seen a swamp. Wow. And for maybe 30 minutes, Trevor just stood there, and he looked around, and he 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 listened to the the bugs, um, and the 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 frogs as they were croaking, and uh, the toads 
which he'd never seen a toad before, but the, a toad is like a big fat frog. Uh, anyway, um, and he just he just let it ha- he just let it in, and it was it was exciting for him because this is a totally new experience. It's a new area, a new um, you know uh, you know when you like find a new biome in Minecraft. You know, I don't know. I'm not I'm not getting really much back from you guys. Uh, you're just gonna have to believe me. This is he was really excited about this. Um, and uh, and he he realized at that point he wanted to come back. Um, and, uh, so, at this time, he, he, he got his backpack, he took a picture with his camera, but it was, like, an old disposable camera, and, uh, and he, he went back home, and he got back home around 8, um, and the reason it took less time was because he wasn't stopping every so often to put down trail markers, and he was, like, clearing a trail for himself, that's why it took so long the first time, and it only took three hours to get back home. Um, and over the course of the next couple of, uh, weeks, um, Trevor, uh, kept going back to this swamp, um, to look around, and he, every, every, uh, for the first couple of days, he spent a lot of time figuring out what the fastest way to get there would be, um, uh, using Lake Chawanda as a starting point, um, he was able to get his time uh, at the beginning, it took him from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. to get there, but uh, eventually he was able to get there at 3 p.m. and then at 2 p.m. and then noon, and eventually, if he started at 8 a.m., he could get to the swamp by 11 a.m., so that's only three hours, you know, so he was really excited about this. Like like I said, he had a lot of experience uh, charting out the forest and, and trailblazing and things like that. And he was always really excited to go back. And the reason he was excited to go back is because he loved exploring this new area. Because there were there was bugs that he'd never seen before, and he loved cl- picking up frogs and... Uh, what else did he do in nature? <sighs> Reading, I guess? I don't know. Um, anyway... So uh, he 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 had absolutely fallen in love with this swamp, and he he called this new area because he he couldn't find it on any any maps. He called this new swamp that he had found no shut up no I got it hang on um he called it I'm not calling it dirty docks uh he called it. Green, green, Greenman's Hole. Greenman's Hole. He called it Greenman's Hole. No, that doesn't sound. Green, green, green pot hole. He called, no, that's weed. Green burrow. Hang on. No, I got it. No, I I can think of a clever name. Mot. Moss, moss Rock Hole. He called it Moss Rock Hole. I got it. Perfect. Moss Rock Hole. He called it Moss Rock Hole, and uh, he felt like he felt like a less racist Christopher Columbus. He was so who's Christopher Columbus? You'll you'll learn about him in school later on. Don't worry. Just know that he's racist. Um, so ask your teachers about that. Anyway, um, so he uh, Moss Rock Hole uh, was so exciting, and it felt like his. Um, and so, uh, as the summer went on, and August turned to September, and the, the leaves turned from green to 
orange or yellow or whatever. Um, he he kept going back and he kept he kept writing things down and he built a little fort. And by the end of the beginning, by the beginning of November, he had a little uh, fort set up there. He he had got a bunch of uh, trees or not trees, uh, sticks or, or branches, and he dried them out and he brought a tarp from home. And he had basically a little log cabin, a very small. It was it was like crappy. I can't say it's shitty because you're kids. Um, but he built like a little a little cabin for himself, basically, by by Green Rock Hole. Um, and he, uh, with his parents' permission, I'm looking directly at you, parents' permission. He would spend nights there because he had he had his his dad's caught from when his dad was in World War II or whatever. Um, and he would go down there, and he would he would be lulled to sleep by the cr- the croaking of the crickets, no, the uh, frogs, and the buzzing of the bugs. Uh, okay, I'm thinking about this now. You probably wouldn't want to spend the night down there because it's like mosquitoes. There's no there was no mosquitoes at Green Rock Hole, so don't worry about that. Um, <clears throat> And he he and as as time went on and as it got colder, uh, the the overbearing mugginess of the area turned into a pleasant coolness, um, and it got more and more approachable. He had already done the hard work, and now all he had to do was enjoy it. Well, one night uh, at around ten p.m., um, ju- it, it had been about forty minutes after Trevor had turned off his lantern. Um, and he, after he was done reading a book and he was down at his little cabin down by Green Rock Hole, um, and it was unnaturally quiet, Trevor realized that he could still hear frogs, but they seemed far away, and the buzzing of the bugs wasn't there. And as he grew more aware of how little sound there was, he began tuning into the more quiet sounds. And he wasn't scared. There's a car. There it goes. He he wasn't scared, but he felt still. And he, he felt still as the water at Green Rock Hole. Oh, that's good. And he could hear the swishing of the black plant-infested water that was ten feet away from his little cabin. And he could hear something interesting about 10 feet away from the shoreline, so 20 feet from him, he could swear he could hear something emerging out of the water. And over the next five minutes, he really tuned in to the sound the water was making. It was sort of a a gentle Well, that sounds like more like wind, but you didn't have to believe me. It was like water noise. Um, and after a couple of minutes, he realized he could hear something else. And this was at the shoreline now. It was a, a wet, sloppy sound. It was, sounded like a, like a thump, like a wet sl- thump, like you like you dropped a pile of wet moss and seaweed onto uh, uh, the mud of a marsh. Like, 
It, does, it didn't sound exactly like that, but use your imagination. You're kids. You have wild potential for imagining things I couldn't even comprehend. Whatever. Just use your brain. Um, and at this point, what did scare Trevor was the fact that it was getting closer and closer to his cabin. And eventually, he heard at the little... Or he... Uh, fuck. He, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say fuck. He saw at the little flap... At his door, um, his door frame, because he didn't, he couldn't make a door. He was a kid. Um, he saw a big figure, and it was dripping, uh, and it was making a similar sound to like how a towel drips on the ground after you you wash yourself off after getting out of the pool. You know, like a, like that kind of sound. And the figure stood there, and Trevor was petrified. He was so scared. And he, after about three minutes of the figure just standing there, Trevor said, Hello? Is someone there? And the thing outside the door said, You come to my swamp and you erect your pillars to humanity. Um, and when the, the, the thing outside the door said that, he put his hand on the door frame. And he, he, he Trevor couldn't see the thing's face, but he could tell he was looking directly at him. He said, You may continue to visit, but you may not call this land your own. Um, and, uh, and, and Trevor... Uh, hang on, I gotta think of how this story's gonna resolve. Trevor uh, said, oh, Okay, I, I, I understand. I'm sorry. And the swamp thing said, Good. Then I will leave you be. But heed my warning. If you do not leave and take your pillars to humanity away, I will eat your bones for supper. And Trevor, um, he let out a whimper, but that let the thing know exactly that he was uh, going to follow his instructions. And the swamp thing said, Farewell, Trevor. And he backed away, and he, he slunk back into the the uh, the waters of Green Rock Hole. And uh, eventually, after another five minutes, everything was silent again. And the, the frogs continued to croak, and the bugs came back. And although Trevor didn't feel as isolated anymore, he was still petrified. And he stayed awake until the next morning. Um... And as soon as he woke up, and as soon as he saw the first light of day, he ran out from his uh, his little cabin, and he 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 ran all the way back home. And he if he started if he if he was starting at eight a.m. and he probably would have because this is like November or something, so it was probably like the first light of day was like probably at eight a.m. Um, and he you know he he was able to get back not by eleven a.m. not by ten, 
but by 9.30, he was able to get back to, to uh, Ch Lake Chawanda, and he was able to get back home. And uh, he... This is kind of going on for too long. He called uh, the military in, and the military drained the swamp, uh, and... Wait, shit, that's a political thing. Uh, they, uh, they, the military, uh, went through the swamp, and they found the swamp thing, and they put him in a lab, and they, he died from experiments. The end. Whatever. I don't care. Uh, I was getting bored of that story. Let's find another one. <clears throat> um, let's see. What else, what else, what else are you thinking? Uh, you want me to tell a story about how your dad broke out of space jail for space criminals? Okay, sure. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I just watched Dune, so I, pro I probably got some, like, sci-fi ideas in my head. Uh, don't watch Dune, by the way. That's not for kids, all right? Not the... You can watch the new one, but don't watch the old one. Anyway, <clears throat> okay, so... This is the story about whoever you are, his dad. It's, it's not gonna be about your dad. Shut up. It's just gonna be about a, a space criminal. About how he broke out of jail. So, this is the story of a man named... I would say... I, I was going to say Peter, but that doesn't seem very sci-fi. Um, how about... Skeeter? That's a thing, right? Skeeter? That's like a name, I think. You wouldn't know. Ske wasn't there uh, a Skeeter in Saved by the Bell? I'm pretty sure there was. Yeah, Skeeter. So his name was Skeeter. And Skeeter was a criminal. Skeeter broke the law. Uh, because that's how you make money sometimes. That's not necessarily a moral sin. Uh, legality is not equal to ethics. Uh, so, get that out of your head straight away. Anyway, Skeeter was a... smuggler. Well, his technical term was a smuggler. He considered himself more of a delivery man. Uh, there was more independence and pride to be taken in that kind of title. Um, and Skeeter, what he would do is he would take contraband, which is like illegal items, um, which was typically minerals mined from the asteroid colonies, uh, and he would take them down planetside. And usually, the, the reason he had to do this is because usually there was a not just a uh, an annoying amount of customs and... Uh, and, and paperwork to be filled out when it took, uh, came to off-world uh, resources. But also, um, there was a, uh, a goods tax on, on all uh, every ounce of uh, minerals brought in from off-planet. Um, and the way that worked is uh, that the, the Imperial... What's like a government, space government name? Uh, the... Intergalactic Federation? No, that's generic. The... Uh... Andromeda... The Andromeda Judicial System... Hey, that... Sure, the Andromeda Judicial System would take 15% uh, of all physical resources, and that's because after years and years of gouging the planet, all off-planet minerals were uh, important, and the government would take some of it to, for personal use um, to put into government programs. But everybody knew it was just to, to fill the fucking pockets of the billionaires, the, spa the space billionaires. Well, I, I, I guess at this point it'd be trillionaires. 
No, let's say there was a revolution at this point, and so, like, dollars doesn't exist, and there's, like, a universal everywhere money called... I don't want to say credits, because every sci-fi thing does credits. Let's say... Jingle... Uh, jingles? No. Jim... St uh, st st stamps. Stamps. How about stamps? Sure. Sci-fi... Stamps. Stamps. Sci-fi stamps. Um, I don't remember why I was bringing, talking about sci-fi stamps. So anyway, um, so what Skeeter would do is he would take these minerals, these important minerals, new elements that aren't forming on Earth, and you can't find them anywhere on Earth, um, and he would take them from the asteroid colonies, and he would bring them down, and he would, he would sell them, not to, uh, let's say, a reputable market, but to the highest bidder. And because Skeeter was so good at his job, he was able to get in uh, tons, tons of this, literal tons, tons and tons of these minerals in per trip. He was very, very good at what he did. Um, and he, he would make a lot of money. And Skeeter wasn't a bad guy. He didn't take the money for himself. He obviously, you know, he, he wanted to leave, he lived comfortably, and he, he, he took what he needed, but he didn't take any more than he needed to be comfortable. And so the rest he would put into local government, not local government, local community funds, like for old people and stuff, space old people, old future old people, because they don't live in space, they just live on Earth. Um, anyway... So, uh, Skeeter was a good guy. He, he was, um, he was actually, uh, one day, he was in the middle of a shipment of Zaxian crystals, which are, uh, crystals that you can only find in the, uh, southern quadrant of the asteroid colonies. Um, Zaxian crystals, they glow a beautiful periwinkle, and they're, you can see right through them. They look like candy almost. Um, and they, uh, the specific resonance that they have make them perfect for acoustic equipment because their exact chemical makeup and density uh, gives the perfect reverberation for stuff. You know Stradivarius violins? How, like, the, the Stradivarius use specific... Well, you probably wouldn't. Um, cause you're a child, uh, but, so Stradivarius, uh, violins, this isn't part of the story, this is actually real, um, they were, uh, some of the, they're regarded as the best sounding violins in the world, they were made in the early 1700s by a guy named Stradivari something something, he was Italian, I think, um, and, uh, for some reason, after centuries, uh, scientists from all fields, psychologists, botanists, you know, uh, uh, physic physicists and and you know obviously other artisanal uh, violin makers they were unable to replicate exactly the sound of the Stradivarius violins and uh, a very common theory as to why this works or they work so well and they sound so good um, not just because of Stradivarius uh, impeccable uh, work form but also because uh, they this was right after a um, a sort of pocket ice age in Europe uh, that lasted, I think, for like 70 years, which um, made uh, the trees grow a lot slower. And he, so because Stradivari used like specific, uh, I think, pine something or other trees uh, that, that are, were already super good for the, the outer casing of the um, violin, 
they were also slower grown, which me- made the uh, the fibers or like the strands, the wood grain, a lot more dense, and that made the reverberation sound better. Uh, or at least that's a theory. <clears throat> anyway, uh, back to the story. The Zaxian crystals, um, they had that perfect density right off the bat, and they they were uh, they had been growing for billions of years. And uh, they were plentiful. Well, they weren't plentiful, plentiful, but they were like, you know, obviously there was enough for Skeeter to to, to skim off like two or three tons and bring them back down to Earth. Um, so Skeeter, uh, he uh, he he was uh, on a, a run for the, the Zaxian crystals, and um, and he got pulled over, uh, not for any reason. He he looked like a a, a space freight driver, uh, just like any other. Um, but he was pulled over because one of his taillights were out. And it just so happened that on this day, um, the Andromeda judicial system representative that had pulled him over was low on a quota. Um, he, he had to fill in a quota for, for, the, for the cycle, and um, he, he was low. So he was jumpy, and he was looking for any reason to, to give Skeeter... Uh, any kind of penalty, any sort of pink slip or ticket or whatever. And so because of this, uh, he was meticulous. He asked to see Skeeter's uh, ID, which Skeeter had and provided. Uh, He he asked to see what was inside the truck, which Skeeter let him. He said, oh, it's Axie and Crystals. I'm I'm hauling them uh, planet-side. And he asked to see Skeeter's uh, papers uh, that uh, licensed him. And of course they weren't real because Skeeter was a, a smuggler. But he had um, perfectly replicated uh, papers that that made that would have told this person that uh, that Skeeter was a perfectly reputable uh, delivery driver. Um, he, there was nothing. There was no reason for this uh, representative to assume that Skeeter had anything wrong, except on that day, Skeeter had a business card in his glove box and uh, as this representative was searching his glove box he uh, he found it and he he looked at the name and he recognized the name and the reason he recognized the name is because this particular representative had a brother who had gotten into the wrong side of things and uh, and you know eventually became a uh, black market dealer of uh, off-world goods and it just so happened that this representative's brother was named on this business card. And so, through that unfortunate circumstance, which nobody could have predicted, a one in a trillion chance of this happening, Skeeter was taken in, suspect of smuggling, and eventually he was found guilty by the Andromeda judicial system. So, where do people who have a years-long record of intergalactic smuggling on uh, on their name, where do they get sent? Well, just outside of the Milky Way. Not the Milky Way. What's our galaxy? What's our, what's, not our galaxy, our solar system. Just outside of our solar What's our solar system called? I'm going to look this up real quick. Hang on. What's our solar system called? Just called the solar system? Because the, our sun is named Sol... After Latin world so- solar. Okay, yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Okay. So, 
just, I just, you know, I never actually processed how kind of sci-fi the solar system sounds. The solar system. Oh, I'm a representative of the solar system. That's like, that's cool. Like, that's what it is. Anyway, um, so just outside of the solar system, uh, there is a comet which orbits uh, around our sun. And it takes 70 years, no, 200 years, no, 270 years for this comet to make a full rotation around our solar system. It's just outside of the, the furthest reaches. It's about 2 million miles away from Pluto. I don't know how big or short that is in terms of like space. You're kids, you don't care. Uh, it's 2 million miles away from Pluto. So it, it's, it's considered just outside of our solar system. Um, there is a comet. Um, and this comet is called... Plutarch? Plut what is Plutarch? Hang on, before I call this Plutarch, I should probably make sure that's not weird. Plutarch. Plutarch was a Greek, uh, a Greek Middle Platonist philosopher, historian, biographer, essayist, and priest of the Temple Apollo Delphi. It was also primarily his parallel lives. Okay, yeah, sure, fine. Plutarch. This was the Plutarchian Penitentiary, um, and it was for low-level criminals that needed a high level of uh, who who met a high level offense and needed punishment. So, Skeeter for his smuggling of Zaxian crystals, was sent to the Plutarchian Penitentiary on the comet outside of our solar system. And the Plutarchian Penitentiary was strict. It was a very, very strict jail. Um, uh, there was only two meals a day, once at 11 a.m. and once at 6 p.m., um, and those meals usually consisted of uh, processed um, chemical paste, which gave the prisoners exactly the nutrients that they needed to uh, subsist on during the uh, very rigid schedule that was put to them. In a lot of jails, a lot of time is spent just in your jail cell, as you might imagine. Uh, and you have maybe, you know, one or two hours a day where, for recreation, um, you know, very few visitation hours, uh, maybe like once a month, uh, and, uh, you know, maybe another two hours for like a job or something. <clears throat> but in the Plutarchian Penitentiary, um, there was a very rigid schedule of monotonous work. And this isn't work for things like uh, creating small goods to then be shipped and sold for to make a profit. But this was actually work to program uh, and expand upon neural networks and AIs. And so uh, for three hours a day, uh, Skeeter was sat in a room uh, with three walls, three walls that were all big touch screens, and he was uh, tasked with completing small uh, 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 challenges, like finding everywhere on the three walls where there were two green lines and a giraffe, or um, 
going to a certain part of the room where a certain kind of song was playing, and he had to he had to find exactly where the song was playing, and he had to identify the song amidst a bunch of other noise that was playing all over the room. Imagine like a hologram, um, a 3D hologram, and as you walk around the hologram, there's different like you know shapes and things, but instead of uh, physical shapes that you can, or not physical, but you know, f- visual shapes that you can see, the different places you walked in the room had different sounds. And so he had to navigate this three-dimensional space and find the sounds that were uh, that were best suited for more, most recognizable as a song um, amidst a bunch of white noise. Um, and uh, stuff like uh, responding and correcting the grammar of uh, randomly generated messages based on prompts being given to the AI, and he was told to correct them and uh, explain in a paragraph exactly how and why the AI was wrong. And so this was this was all to uh, better the understanding of a grand AI. Uh, I, I, I'm building on this AI a lot. Don't worry about the AI. It's not going to come back. Uh, the AI is unimportant to the story. The point is, he had to do a bunch of monotonous work. Uh, he wasn't, like, making you know, uh, bump, uh, uh, bumper plates for cars or, you know, chopstick holders or whatever. He was programming an AI. And that's what, that's what happened at the Plutarchian Penitentiary. Uh, so, uh, Skeeter did this for a year. Every single day, he would do this for a year. He would wake up, he would spend three hours helping program this AI, he would have breakfast, uh, he would have an hour of recreation time and then he would have an hour of workout time and then uh, two hours of solitary confinement and then dinner and then three hours of uh, programming the AI again and then he would go to bed and then he would start the whole thing over the next day every single day he did this every 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 single day and Skeeter knew that he wasn't going to serve his whole sentence as he had been a smuggler for 15 years at this point, he started when he was 10 and he was 25. No, I'm going to make him older than that. He started when he was... He st- he did. He started when he was 10, but now he was 36. Um, he was 36 years old, and he so he'd been doing this for 26 years. And in those 26 years, he'd met a lot of criminals, and he'd met a lot of very smart people, because the thing about criminals is that there are a lot of smart ones, especially if they're loose, because it takes a, it takes a dumb criminal to get caught. It takes a smart criminal to stay out, uh, on the streets. Um, and he had met a lot of smart criminals. And they had taught him a lot of stuff. Stuff like uh, how to talk to the guards and uh, kind of get information out of them without them knowing it. Um, sort of a reverse psychology thing. So he was able to, by chattering with the guards, the guards, without even knowing, uh, were giving him information about, uh, you know, how long they worked and uh, their names and stuff like that, and um, you know wh- where where they patrolled and even some stuff he didn't really need to know, like uh, like their interests, their favorite foods and stuff like that. He was able to gather a lot of information from the guards without them knowing, just by um, talking to them in a certain way. And so, by the third month that he was there, he, ha- he knew the schedules and the names of most of the guards in the facility. Another thing he learned is uh, a- about construction, because as a-, as a sort of criminal, 
or or not a criminal as a um, as somebody who worked odd jobs on on top of smuggling he he was not uh, he was not a stranger to things like uh, intergalactic construction especially since he was so familiar with the uh, asteroid colonies um, and asteroid for, for those who don't know asteroid uh, architecture and comet architecture are very much the same as they're moving targets um, without a lot of ground density <clears throat> and for that reason and especially the varying weights there was of course there was uh, uh, more th- th- uh, there was magnets in everybody's shoes um, which helped everybody kind of stay on the ground but there was a lower artificial gravity that was ma- manufactured by the uh, by the penitentiary anyway uh, as he was familiar with the architecture and construction process of uh, a lot of intergalactic uh, and, and or interplanetary and inter Interbody, let's say interbody, because like spa- bodies in space it means like different planets and stuff. Uh, interbody uh, structures. He knew um, exactly where, uh, within you know, a couple of, of uh, weeks of studying the 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 sort of plans for the um, the penitentiary, he was able to get a, an idea of where load bearing walls were and uh, where there would be hallways that he couldn't necessarily see or go down, but he could figure out where they were based on the um, the layout of the places he could access. And most importantly, he was able to identify where a hollow wall was. Uh, it, it just so happened there was one in the mess hall. B, the second mess, uh, mess hall B's uh, bathroom. In mess, but right behind mess hall B's bathroom, there was a hollow wall. It was um, it was space unused, a little bit too slim for uh, it to be used as storage or anything. So it's just a wall, um, and it led um, out to a an outer wall. Um, and uh, at the Plutarchian Penitentiary. Uh, everybody had spacesuits. Of course, he didn't have to wear them inside, but if you were going outside, if you're transferring between domes, um, then you would need to wear a, a special spacesuit. Uh, you know, if you're you know traveling between you know mess hall B and like the courtyard, mess hall B is in one of the domes, and the courtyard's in another dome. So you'd have to wear a special spacesuit if you were walking between the domes. Um, and the spacesuits allowed to the prisoners were uh, specifically short-term spacesuits. The, they weren't spacesuits for uh, for persistent um, uh, uh, life sustaining stuff. So basically, uh, he 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 wasn't gonna even if he could you know if you knew exactly when um, the guards weren't going to be around mess hall B um, to where he could get through the wall and even get out that way. Even if he had smuggled that sort of um, uh, the prisoner spacesuit, there's no way he would be able to survive very long out in space with it. And so, he decided to um, take an opportunity to... Uh, he, he convinced... Hmm. Okay, no, I got it. I got it. I figured it out. Through his, uh, his relationship with some of the guards, as he'd been talking to them a lot, he was able to uh, kind of instill within people, uh, or, or within the staff there that he was a ship mechanic, or he had been a ship mechanic and, and before he turned smuggler. Um, because and, and because the guards knew him, um, even though he was a prisoner, he was a friendly prisoner, and, and so they, they trusted him like a, like a sort of fair-weather friend, I suppose. Um, and so he was able to sort of, uh, 
you know, kind of put that into the, the zeitgeist of the staff without them even realizing he was convincing them of something for his long-term plan. And so, with all of these things in mind, he, uh, he put his plan into motion. Um, and the unfortunate thing about putting plans into motion sometimes is that sometimes it just means there's going to be a lot of waiting for the opportune time to make your first move. And so, for another year, uh, after, after his first year, so for, this is, uh, two years, he waited, he waited and waited and waited, um, and the thing about life on a comet, uh, Skeeter noticed, is that unlike on Earth or any other planetoids, there aren't really seasons, um, it's always just a single temperature, uh, and t typically a single level of brightness from the surrounding star systems. And it, it, it was very difficult to tell the, the passing of time. But, very luckily for Skeeter, there was a shower of asteroids, an asteroid shower, um, that came down one day on, in his second year. And as luck would have it, it damaged some of the Plutarchian penitentiary... What would you call it? Like a vessel. A vessel. Plutarchian penitentiary vessels. Because they had been left outside. Um, outside of one of the domes. And so, Skeeter realized this was his time to strike. And uh, as he overheard some of the, the, the guards talking about it, he realized now was his time. And so... Um, uh, without saying anything, he he realized which guards were talking about it and how often, and he specifically went to go talk to those guards. And he didn't talk to them about the vessels, but he did talk to them because he needed to remind them. He wanted to put himself at the forefront of their minds so that they would remember that he, is con he had convinced them that he was a mechanic. Um, and he wanted to get their attention, and so he started focusing on those guards specifically to talk to. And, as he planned, eventually... Rory is his name. Rory, one of the guards, said, Hey, 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 <coughs> oh, sorry. Hey, Skeeter, uh, so if you remember that asteroid shower that happened a couple of, uh, a couple of days ago, uh, it actually, uh, ended up, uh, 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 breaking one of our vessels, and, uh, you know how it is, and, and, you know, needing to report to the higher ups. There's a whole rigmarole of paperwork that we gotta take care of, and, uh, we wanted to submit it for. You know, proper repairs and everything like that, but uh, it's kind of a pain, and we all kind of want to go go uh, back home early this month. So uh, we were wondering, in reward for maybe a couple hour, uh, an extra hour of free time for the next year or so, every single day, would you be willing to come out and uh, help us on one of these vessels, maybe fix it up, uh, repair the shields and the hull and stuff like that, and and we'll reward you handsomely. And Skeeter said. Of course, Rory, I'd, I'd, I'd be right happy to. I wouldn't mind at all. I, I, in fact, I, I appreciate the fact that you trust me enough to do that for you. And so, Skeeter was taken uh, taken out one day during um, during one of his recreational periods, and uh, he started working on this vessel. And, of course, he wasn't able to fix it all in one day, but he was able to start putting in the next step of his plan into, into action. And what that was, was uh, working on the wiring, which had thankfully been damaged, um, to only react to him on a certain day, and it, of course it would work. It would work normally uh, every other day, so nobody would suspect anything. But uh, one day 
uh, several weeks from now, it would only answer to him if he put in a certain code. And another thing is that uh, he would, every day, he would sneak out in his, uh, in his, the, um, his tool box, he would sneak out one small piece of one of the emergency spacesuits. Every single day. He would sneak it out, and he would take it back to his, uh, his, uh, his cell, and he would hide it. And, uh, eventually, after a week of, of doing this, um, everything was set into place. And now, all that it took was for him to execute it at the right time. And so, as, uh, as he planned, uh, one day later, several, several weeks from that point, um, he waited until he, he was scheduled for Mess Hall B, and he went to Mess Hall B, and he, uh, he took a, he took a, a, a spoon and three knives, and he went into the, he went into the bathroom, and, uh, he furiously chipped away at the wall as quickly as he could, as quickly as he could, and the reason he was able to be so gung-ho and loud about it is because he remembered that there were no guards around in that area at that time, and so, he, he sawed at the wall as quickly as he could with these three knives. He was, he was real, real quick about it. And eventually, he was able to get a, a, a nice hole in the wall. And, and it wasn't a big hole. It was maybe the size of uh, you put your fist through. But from that, he was able to get a lot more leverage. He was able to, to dig out a lot faster. And within 45 minutes, he had a small hole big enough for him to crawl through. And Skeeter was a lithe man. He was, he was, uh, he was, he was a little skinny. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't skinny, but he, was, he wasn't, you know... He, he was uh, slim, we'll say. And especially because he had been uh, only eating half portions of the chemical paste that they'd been serving him. So he was able to scooch through this wall uh, behind one of the toilets in Mess Hall B. And just like he planned, he was now in a, uh, a small dark room uh, uh, in, in the walls of one of the, uh, the, of the prison in this dome. And he went to the side, the side, and he, 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 knocked, on the, he knocked on the door, or the, the, not the door, the wall. He knocked on the wall that he knew was uh, outside, and it was... He knocked, and he heard hollowness on the other side, and that's how he knew, he knew that beyond that wall was outside. And he, he did the same thing 45 minutes later. He had a wall that he could... He had a... He had a, a, a not a wall. He had a, a hole that he could go through. And uh, this was the point of no return. He knew for a fact. If he crawled out there, the sensors would go off, and he would have a limited amount of time to make it all work. And so... He composed himself, and he went through, and he ran as fast as he could, and he ran, ran, and ran, and as he was running, he heard uh, the sirens go off in, around Plutarchian Penitentiary, and he heard, All prisoners, return to your rooms immediately. There has been a security breach. And he ran, and he ran, and he ran, and he ran, and uh, at this point, he, he took the, he took um, his, 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 uh, the spacesuit that he had, don't ask me how he got it, but he, he had it. He took the spacesuit that he'd stashed, and he, uh, he put it on, and he, he went into one of the guard's posts between the domes, and he, he, uh, the, the guard was, was, wasn't there, he was, uh, he was on his, uh, he was, uh, he was taking a potty break, and he, he smashed the one of the beep, the one of the buttons, and, uh, whoosh, whoosh, the the door opened, and he, he, he dashed between the domes, and of course, outside the domes, the gravity was a lot weaker, so it was more like, a Imagine, imagine bounding across the bottom of a pool. He was kind of leaping with one leg at a time, quickly and quickly. And in, in the void of space between, um, between the two domes, 
it was a lot more silent. Uh, sound couldn't travel as well, but he could hear. He could still hear a very muffled, very quiet. the sirens going off. It was a lot harder because sound it's hard for sound to travel in space, but sound can travel in space. It's just harder. And um, he uh, he got to the other dome, and he got to the vessel, and uh, he was about to, he, he was putting in the code, and then he heard from behind him, Skeeter? Is that you, bud? And he looked around, and he saw Rory. Rory looked confused and upset with Skeeter. And, uh, as the, 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 uh, as the spaceship was humming to life, Skeeter looked at Rory and he said, Well, I'm sure this don't look too good for me. Now does it, Rory? And Rory said, No, I don't think it does, Skeeter. I think it's actually, uh, quite unfortunate the situation that you've created for yourself. And Skeeter remembered at that moment that Rory was not his friend, he was a cop, and he didn't trust cops, and so he took the, 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 the gun from under the dashboard, he shot Rory, and he kicked him out of the fucking vessel. Fuck, Rory, do not feel bad for Rory, Rory was a piece of shit, and he, uh, probably beat his dog or something, I don't know, don't feel bad for Rory. Point is, he shoved Rory out of the airlock, and he, this, he turned the, he turned the spaceship on, and then, he crashed through the dome, and all the other cops in that fucking dome suffocated, and died, and Skeeter got away, and they never caught him again, and he went to Puerto Rico and retired. I don't know, sorry, I'm, I'm kind of rushing, because it's the end of my shift. Um, I hope you guys liked my stories. Um, if you have any feedback or tips, I know you're probably all, like, elementary school students, so you probably don't have any spare cash on you, but if you, if you have, like, quarters for gumball machines that you, you know, you'd like to give to me, and I could really use it. Trying to buy another GameCube. So, no? Alright, well, fuck you then. Fucking piece of shit, kids. Whatever. Bye. Bye. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I don't want this job anyway. They're gonna pay me. Don't say that I swore, by the way, or I'll beat your ass. I, I'll kill your family. Alright? If you tell them that I swore.